Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you've been trekking with us over these uh, past several weeks, we are in week four of a series entitled Running with the Giants. And, and, and if, if you read leadership books like I do, uh, John Maxwell, who's one of my favorite uh, writers, especially when it comes to the area of leadership, he wrote a book entitled Running with the Giants. Uh, even if you're not a leader, I highly ad, uh, recommend you read it. It's a really good read. But that book, uh, this series, is sort of loosely based off of that book. As a matter of fact, we use some of the same characters, but so I, I tell a bit of a different story. Our, 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 our overarching theme, the main scripture for this entire series comes from Hebrews 12, where, where we find these words, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. Now, now, now the, the chapter that precedes this reading that I just said, uh, we encounter what we call the hall of faith. Uh, we, we, we read about these great men and women uh, that, that did some amazing things that required great faith, but they did some amazing things for the kingdom of God. There were people like David and Abraham. And so we stand with this great hall of witnesses watching this race that we run now called life. And, and, and because we have them watching us, and we know that their story ends in victory, we have the same access to the same God that provided that victory, but it requires faith to see that end. And so what we've been talking about over these several weeks is using different examples from, 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 from these different biblical characters, each of them with their own story and how they overcame something to do something even greater for the kingdom of God. We talked about uh, one of my favorite characters a couple we, uh, last week, uh, Joseph, and how you know he had to really deal with the fact that he could have sought vengeance in the face of of of, of an opportunity, right? Because uh, he was sold into slavery by his own siblings. They plotted to kill him at first. Then, then uh, his slave master, who later became his employer, his uh, wife, you know, tried to make advances at him, and and so he bypassed all of that, stayed faithful, and in the end, he was like the second in command of Egypt. And then all of a sudden, those same people, his family members who were going to kill him, his same siblings who sold him into slavery, literally had to come to him begging for food. And, and then I put it out there like if that was me, oh, man, I would have been like vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Payback. 
You gonna you sold me into slavery. You didn't like tattletale on me. You like sold me. <laughs> That's a big deal. But no, Joseph, because of his faith and his relationship with Christ, he didn't allow that past thing to get in his way. And he blessed him. Today, I want to talk to you all about a sister by the name of Esther. And, and if you get a chance, if you've never sat with this, this, this wonderful uh, uh, work of, of words about purpose, I urge you to do that. I mean, you can read the entire book in about 30 minutes, right? And that's not being a speed reader. That's just like pausing every now and again. It's that short, but it's, it's, it's to the point. It's a really, really good read about purpose, about understanding that regardless of where you are today, regardless of your situation, regardless of how you start off, God has a purpose for you. And he will use you even when it doesn't look like there's that possibility. And so today I want to really unpack the story of Esther for you. And I want to let you know that God has a place for you. And today I'm going to help you find it. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for your word, which is infallible. God, it's the one guaranteed resource that we can turn to for guidance. God, I thank you for the awesome and humble privilege to represent you today as your ambassador. God, I pray that my tongue speaks articulately and my mind is fresh so that everything that you deposit into my spirit I remember and share it, God, so that people leave this place today encouraged, inspired, transformed, and ready to do what you've called us to do. There's a purpose for each of us. Let us move toward finding it. God, we ask these things and so many more. In Jesus' name, all those agreed with say amen. Amen again. Wow. Esther. Interesting story. If you read it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a rags to riches type of story. It's, it's full of uh, all type of interesting plots. As a matter of fact, as I was reading it the other day in my study, I found myself at, on the edge of my seat like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to find out like who she really is? And, 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 and if they find out, are they going to kill her? Y'all know those movies, right, with that, with that kind of plot where somebody goes in sort of like a spy or something and, and they're pretending to be somebody else and they get all the way to the highest ranking of fish when you're like, oh, if they get found out, they're going to get killed. Oh, no. And that was kind of where I was in reading Esther because there's some, some, some funny things that happened there. Esther, who uh, was the adopted daughter, so to speak, of this guy, this Jewish guy named Mordecai. Mordecai was actually a blood relative. Mordecai was her cousin, her older cousin. Esther lost her parents during the, the exile to Babylon. You know, the Jewish people were kicked out of their land and they were forced to live in Babylon. And so during that transition, uh, uh, her parents were killed. And so older cousin Mordecai was like, you know what? I'll raise her as my own daughter. So Mordecai was taking care of her. And so she literally, you know, he could have been like a big brother, but no, he was that much older than her. He was like her daddy, raised her. Well, the king of the land at the time in Persia was a guy by the name of King Xerxes, King Xerxes. Now, just like most Persian kings, King Xerxes and other Persian kings, they love jewelry, 
bunch of it. That was a sign of their wealth. But they also loved women. And so Xerxes was having a banquet. I'm just giving you the backstory. And uh, he called his then queen Vashti. He says, Vashti, come here. And for some reason, Vashti gave him attitude. Hey, why? I'm not coming. Why? I don't know what he did to her. The Bible doesn't give me clear information about it. But she was heated. She was upset. But because she gave him lip, he decided, you know what? What are the rules of this land? Because I don't need no queen that's going to be disobedient, that's not submissive. What can I do to get rid of this woman? And so his advisors advised him, you know what? This is what we'll do. We'll gather up all of the young virgins in the land. And then from among them, you take your pick. And the one that you like, well, then we'll make her your wife. Among those young virgins was a very beautiful, beautiful girl, Jewish girl. And her name was Esther. Esther was among those that had to be chosen. Now, let me tell you a little backstory about these young virgins that were selected. If you were selected in this group of women, young virgins, uh, you had to stay in a building just outside the king's court. It's called a harem. Okay, you would stay there, watch this, for 12 months just to be prepared to sleep with the king one time. One time. It was a, if you're good, that's cool, move on. You had to do something magical that one time for him to call you back. So they prepared for over 12 months to sleep with the king one time, they couldn't leave that building. They had to wear perfume every single day. They were taught how to love the king in order to entice him so that they could possibly one day be a suitor for the king. Now, can you imagine being Esther and them telling you, hey, you've been picked to live in a harem? Her first thought is, I'm, I, I'm all, I, this is not good. This is not good. I've heard the stories. So I got to stay in this place away from my family, my adopted family. I've already lost mom. I've already lost dad. My whole entire race of people have been exiled. And now you're telling me you're going to separate me from the man that I love that I called dad because he stepped in when my parents were gone. Wow. For one whole year. And then in the end, I'll give away something precious to me to a guy who may not even like me. Who would have been excited about that? None of us. And that was her fate. I've got to go be with this man, be away from my family from a year, add, adding insult to injury. If he doesn't like me, he's taken away something precious to me that one day, if I'm lucky enough to have a husband, he will know that I've been defiled by the Persian king. And I'm marked. Wow. What a bad start. Am I right about it? But y'all know our God doesn't finish the story that way. So she goes to be with the king. And this is where our story begins. God has a place for you. 
And I know a lot of times we find ourselves in positions and locations and situations in life where it seems like, God, I, you know, I hear the pastor say it. I read it. I read The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. But you know what? It's still not clicking with me yet. Yo, what is my purpose? I've tried this because I thought that fit. I tried that because I thought this fit. After reading this devotional and attending Bible studies and being in a small group, God, what is my purpose? I'm at this job that I hate. I'm at a school that I hate. My neighbors, we just don't get along. My spouse is all of a sudden tripping. God, what is my purpose? The church keeps moving locations. Don't y'all laugh. God, what is my purpose? Here's what I want to say. Don't you get discouraged because where you are, the very place that you are right now, God has a purpose. And I want to encourage you, if you get some time, I want you to read, uh, listen to this podcast, this sermon that we did some time ago called The Waiting Room. That will so help you wherever you are right now. Listen to that podcast that we did, the series entitled The Waiting Room. It will help you while you're in this transition, in this waiting room of sorts of trying to figure out your purpose. Esther 2, 5 through 7. It's in your notes, but it'll also be on the screen. Watch this. At that time... There was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai. and He was the son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shemai. Watch this. His family had been among those who with King Jehoiakim of Judah had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Watch this. Now I'm about to tell you how to find your place. You want to know the purpose for God that God has for you? I'm going to help you find your place in this. Watch this. First note, finding your place requires Great faith and trust. Finding your faith, your, your, your purpose, your place requires great faith and trust. I'm going to go on to Esther 2.17. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. What did I say? Her start was rocky, right? She didn't even know she would be selected by this queen, this king. She didn't even know she had the right attitude, the right look. She had no idea. Matter of fact, I'm, 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 I'm thoroughly convinced that she was extremely discouraged because of all the things that had already occurred in her life. From being exiled, her parents being killed, being raised by an older cousin, and now all of a sudden, oh my goodness, now you're going to pick me? This is not one of those opportunities where I would see her like, pick me, pick me. It was probably one of those, don't pick me, you don't see me, you don't keep on walking, you don't see me moments. But she's picked. But... It doesn't end good. It starts good. 
because it wasn't just her physical thing that attracted King Xerxes. It wasn't just the sexual pleasure that provided, that she provided for him. Let me show you something. What I left out and what the Bible records, but I didn't tell you about, is he had uh, an assistant that was over all of the entire harem. And that assistant noticed her first and trained her exactly on what to say and how to love and attract this king. It's not just the physical. You've got to know how to get to his heart. You've got to know how to have a great conversation with him. You've got to know how to charm him. You've got to make him feel not like a king, but like a God. And that's what he taught her how to do. So those 12 years of preparation, she was ready to walk in there and know that, hey, I got this. Not all of the women who were selected were looked at in the same way by this assistant. He saw something different, something special in Esther and took personal quality time to train her up so that she would be ready to attract this king. And after one night, one moment, he's like, this is wifey. Yeah, I'm going to wife her, put the crown on her. She got it. She's got everything I need. She knows how to talk to me. She makes me feel feel good physically and emotionally. She is wifey, crown her. She is my queen. Isn't that interesting, her start? Isn't that interesting? Many of us would have been, you know, discouraged and ran away from it, but no, not her. She's like, hey, let's go for it. The faith that she had wasn't in the training she received from that man. The faith that she had was in the God that had already rescued her from some stuff. See, she lost her parents, but God says, I'm your father, but I'm going to give you an earthly father in your cousin Mordecai. He said, he says, he says, I know that y'all been exiled from that land, but that was just a small little corner compared to what I'm about to give y'all. Her faith was in a God that had already done some amazing things in her life and she was an eyewitness to it. Her trust was in that same God. She wasn't trusting that, 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 uh, that guy, the assistant was going to, you know, everything that he taught her, that that was going to leave. No, she trusted God that, you know what? I trust you, God, that this is, I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's not pretty. I'd rather not be in this situation. But God, I'm trusting you that on the other side of this wall of despair, there is the pot of gold or the pot of God. I'm trusting you, God, that this is just a seasonal setback that's ready in place for me to be set up to do something greater than I could even imagine. I understand this is temporary, but I want the eternal. She didn't trust man. She trusted a God and she had faith in that God, not in man. And here's what I want to tell you all. As you are in this quest to find the purpose that God has for you, as you are in this quest, I don't care where you are in your life right now, God can use you to bring out the purpose that he has planned for you. Y'all know my favorite scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And you can stop right there because they are good. It don't feel like it right now. It doesn't look like it right now. It don't seem like it right now. But trust me, baby, I know the plans and they are good.
But you got to have your faith and trust in the right place. You can't trust man. Watch this. You can't even have faith and trust in yourself. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care how much experience you have. None of it can trump what God can do in your life. And if we try to figure this thing out and pursue our own purpose, thinking that we know what it really is, we will fail ultimately apart from God. God has to be the guiding light. The scripture tells us that he is the light on the path to which we should go. He is the light to our feet. He's guiding us. Even if we take a detour, he's got a sign to say, no, go back that way and you'll be right on track. God is a big God. No matter if you run away from your purpose, he's going to pull you back to it. I ran from preaching for a long time. I thought I had too much sin. I still, I still think I have too much sin. But God says, yeah, you just right. Remember David? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember David? Yeah. And I got a whole list. If you look at God's resume, he has a long line of blessing murderers and people who sinned. Right? Am I right about it? Look at his resume. The people he blessed to do something great. They were a whole bunch of sinners. Remember those tax collectors? Didn't I do something great for them? Huh? Remember Peter who had an attitude problem? Didn't I bless him? <laughs> and he said the same thing for you. You don't have to be perfect to pursue God's purpose for you. Matter of fact, if you're flawed, then you are perfect enough for God to be you, to use you. Amen. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. Watch this. Oh, 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 I got to go back to that. I got to go back to that. I left something good out. This is important. God used Esther, put her in a place, and you're going to see this later on. This is very important. Put her in a place where she had influence over somebody that would later save her people from being totally destroyed. He put her in a place where she influenced the king's heart. And then and he put her right next to the man. So whatever the decisions that needed to be made, she had his direct ear. She broke some laws to be able to have that. I'm going to share that with you in a minute. Listen, God will put you in places that may be uncomfortable for a season, but there's a purpose behind that season. There's a purpose behind that uncomfortable thing. All I want to tell you is stay there a little while longer. Stay there a little while longer. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to happen. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. Watch this. Finding your place requires great courage. That's the most honest thing I'm going to say to you today. Finding your place requires great courage. Watch this. Mordecai, this is Esther 4, 13, 15. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape. Then allow other Jew and then all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just a time such as this. Watch this. Let me tell you what happened. This is where it gets juicy. I love this part. Here's what's happening. So there was a plot to kill King Xerxes. Mordecai, who, who, who was given his position to be at the gate, he could hear the officials talking about official business. Well, two people from uh, the, the, in this group of people were plotting to kill the king because they were unhappy about something that was taking place. Mordecai got wind of it, sent the message to 
Esther tells the king, listen. I didn't do anything yet. He did. He didn't get his reward yet. He didn't reap his reward for for sharing that. But he had favor. How many of you know it's good to have favor? It's like loaning somebody money, knowing that they always owe you, so you never broke. All right, y'all, will get that in a minute. He had favor. So watch what happens here. Watch what happens here. So Mordecai is out, and this is what's happening before this scene happens. Mordecai is out. And uh, at the time, King Xerxes promoted this man, Haman, to be the chief official over all of the officials and the noble people. He, he appoints him. He, he gives him a promotion, so to speak. And so when, when chief officials would walk by, people bowed to them. And it was customary for Jewish people to bow uh, or kneel to certain elected officials. 
But Haman walks by Mordecai, and Mordecai looked at him like, I ain't bowing to you. I'm not going to bow to you. I know your bloodline. I know who your people were. I'm not, a bow, I'm, bow, I'm not about to bow to you because bowing to you would mean I look to you like you're a god. Now, who was Haman and what was his background? Haman uh, was from the lineage of the Amalekites. Now, if you read Old Testament history, you'll understand the Amalekites and the Jewish people were arch enemies. They hated each other. As a matter of fact, God gave a direct command to the Israelites saying, kill the Amalekites, wipe their memories blank of stuff. I mean, you like kill them, destroy them. Jewish people hated the Amalekites. And here you have Haman promoted. People forced to kneel to him, Jewish people. And Mordecai's like, I'm not bowing to you. Because history says if I bow to you, then I'm bowing to a false god. Of course, Haman didn't take that easy. Haman was mad, angry mad. He was peed off. Who do you think you are not bowing to me? And up until this point, nobody knew the nationality of Esther or Malachi. As a matter of fact, of Esther or Mordecai. Nobody knew uh, their background. Nobody knew what their nationality was. As a matter of fact, he asked that his niece not tell anybody. Don't let them know who you are yet. Don't, don't, don't let them know. It'll make things difficult because we're exiled people. But now he didn't got Haman upset. And so he went on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. He said, let me see what I can find out about this guy. He's like, oh, my goodness. He's a Jew. Oh, no, I can't just kill him. Because if it's just if it's one of them here, it's a bunch of them here. I'm going to kill the entire race of people that are here in the Persian Empire. And so he went to the king and pleaded with him. He says, listen, there's a group of people who don't believe in your laws. There's a group of people that don't like you. They're exiled people. They're not going to follow your laws. Matter of fact, you told all the people to bow to me. This guy, this rascal, this so-and-so is not doing it. Let me kill him and all of his people. Trust me, it'll be worth it. As a matter of fact, I'll pay you if you let me kill him. I'm dead serious. He offered a ton of money for the privilege. And kings like what? Jewels? They like women. King was like, cool, kill him. Matter of fact, here's my stamp of approval. Take this ring and show this, and they'll know that uh, I've given my approval. Kill him. But what the king didn't know was his wife, his queen, his beloved was one of them. So he gave Haman permission to kill them. Watch this. Watch when this happens. This happens five years after Esther was made queen. So for the past five years, she's been intimate with the king. She's had intimate conversations. He's come home from a hard day of being king, and he was able to call on Esther to make him feel good on the inside and out. They're really tight in their relationship. Five years have gone by, so they've grown to some intimacy. And so Haman gets this approval, and he says, next year, a year from today, we're going to kill all the Jews. 
go ahead and spread the word. And then he tells people to get them all excited. The Jews that you kill, you can have their land and their money, whatever you want. But I've got the approval of the king to kill all the Jews. Word got back to Mordecai. And that's where this scripture comes from, where he's saying, listen, you got to get to the king. You've got to let him know what's going on. He loves you. You've got to get in his ear. Listen, when y'all are cuddling or whatever, whenever you can see him, you've got to let him know that we are about to be killed. Let me tell you what happens right before this. The king hadn't been with her in 30 days. Now, though she was queen, you couldn't see the king unless he asked for your, your company. You couldn't just walk up and be like, hey, king, I know I'm your queen, but can I see you? Like my wife can just walk in my office. I don't like it. I want to be like the king and say, hey, do you got a pass? Did I schedule this time with you today? But that's wifey, and I like to eat, so we have an understanding. I like to eat. You can interrupt me. Y'all will get that in a minute. And so in order to see him, it required her to break the laws. Let me tell you how powerful this was. If she went to his quarters without permission, she could be killed. People were already killed for just, hey, I need to see you, King Kill. I got a word for you. Yep, that's it, death. It had happened. She knew this was possibly her fate by trying to go and see this king. Though he loved her, though they were intimate, there were laws. And for the sake of her people, she was willing to risk life, risk her life to go and see this man. And here it is. Mordecai's like, you got to do it, whatever it takes. And then he reminds her, same thing I want to remind you all. You might be in a position right now where you've got to risk it all. Huh? You might be in a position right now, you might have to risk it all. That may be friendships. That may be relationships. That may be the job that you love, but you're just not happy. They, you've hit a ceiling. It's like, this is not enough. I know there's greater on the other side, but, but this is not enough. But this is so comfortable. That check that's in my account every single week without me thinking about it. Oh, this is so comfortable. But God is saying, I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to do something greater. And in order for you to get greater, you might have to be a little bit uncomfortable for a season. I didn't come to make you comfortable. I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. But that means you may have to be uncomfortable for a season. And this is what Mordecai says. You may have been called to be queen for such a time as this. You may be called to do whatever you're doing right now in your uncomfortable space, moving across country, moving to a new location for such a time as this. Oh, it gets even better. Listen. To find your purpose, it requires faith and trust. It requires great courage. But here's the other part you got to get. Finding your place requires great focus on God. Because, see, here's what happens after that. That's your next note. Finding your purpose requires great focus on God. Here's what happens after that. Watch this. I love this part. After Mordecai sends his people and sends a message, right, before he even does that, he already prepares himself and he's fasting. Matter of fact, it was so important that he changed into burlap, washed himself in ashes, which is part of preparation for fasting and prayer to hear from God. He went to the gates looking like that, like I'm in mourning. That was how they mourned. 
Because they thought that, that, that this meant death eternally for our nation, for our, 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 our culture. And so she sees he's mourning. Why are you mourning? He tells her the story. Listen, there's a death ticket on our lives for our whole group. We're going to be wiped out. You've got to talk to hubby. See if he can get us out of this jam. Here's the first thing she does. Watch this. Oh, I love it. I love it. This is what she does. She says, then Esther sent the reply, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa, watch this, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. The part I want y'all to get about is she fasted first. She got in the face of God before she made her first step. She listened to him. She sacrificed food. She got in the face of God before she even put together a plan of action. She went to God for his wife because he will give you the instructions. He will make it clear why you are where you are. He will give you direction. Here's the best part. He will give you protection. Wherever you are. Whatever he's calling you to, it may seem impossible or too big. When he called me to, 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 to pastor a church, I was like, hmm. <laughs> dude, you are funny, man. You, I knew you could be funny, but not that funny, God. But then the first thing I did, and this is a true story. This is a very true story. My wife is a witness because she did it with me. The first thing I did is I'm going to fast for these next 30 days. I mean, I'm going Daniel fast plus some. I'm going to do a Daniel fast and a, a, a sun up to sun down fast at the same time because this is big. And I probably lost a lot of weight during that time. But I tell you what, I never heard as clear as I heard from God that this is where I needed to be. I never heard that clear ever in my life. God was saying, this is what I want you to do. He started to show me what it would look like. God, I'm still waiting for what you showed me. All right, I'm patient. Anyway, (laughs) he showed me what it would look like. He didn't show me the details, but he showed me what it would look like. He showed me how to, you know, what it would take. And it required complete and total trust in him. I remember my first few sermons, they were like, yeah, man, your preaching sucks. I, I was telling a brother last night at my house at the repast, he was saying, man, I love, I love you the way you preach and this and that. I says, brother, if you knew me about four years ago and I was trying to be Jake's, I was trying to be Long, I was trying to be Andy Stanley, all at the same time, though. <laughs> I threw a little bit of Joel Osteen in there. I was trying to find myself, Will. I didn't know. <laughs> So, yeah, my preaching sucked, man. I went back. I was like, man, my preaching couldn't have sucked. I mean, the notes are so good, but my delivery was terrible. I says, God, man, help me. Help me with this. And I told his brother last night, I says, finally, God says, I gave you a voice. Use it. I gave Andy a voice. I gave Bishop Jakes a voice. I gave Broderick Santiago a voice. Use it. Use your voice. Don't be anybody else. I gave Moses a voice, and he stuttered. Use the voice I gave you. Oh, my goodness, that's good. I knew, apart from God, I couldn't be your pastor today. I knew the call was not a mistake. I knew the call was authentic, but I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And here it is. Same thing with Esther. 
God, if you really need me to get to the king, you're not going to let nothing happen to me. God, if you really need me to say this to the king, I'm going to walk across this hall and walk in that door and, and say what I need to say. He's going to hear me. Let me tell you all what happened. Sister girl got courage. She went across the hall to hubby. Hubby was sitting there in his study and he looked up and he, what do you think he said? He didn't say, oh, man, what are you doing here? Guards, kill her. She walked in there. Now, I'm going to tell you, she did prepare. She put on his favorite outfit, his favorite perfume. Did her hair real nice. Walked in. Hey, boo. It was over from there. Hey, how you doing? It's been, what, 31 days? We can't make it 32. How are you? But seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but the scripture says she walked in there and he greeted her like the sun was shining. It was like a breath of fresh air. He, Hey, how are you? What's wrong with you, my queen? What's troubling you? Literally, multiple times, she says, I just want to. God gave her a plan to have a banquet for her husband, for the king and Haman. Span a, he said, plan a special dinner for them too. That's what God gave her as her plan. And she says, listen, I just don't want to, I don't want to interrupt you. I know you're busy. You got a lot on your plate. But when you get a second, I want, I want you and um, your right-hand man, Haman, to come to a little banquet I'm preparing for you. I got some things I want to share with you. Nothing to be nervous about, baby. Just come to dinner. And he's like, whatever you want. I know something's wrong with you, but whatever you want, let me know. Matter of fact, if it's half the kingdom, he said this, his own words. If it's half the kingdom, it's yours. She put a spell on that, brother. And he said it multiple times. If you want half my stuff, how many brothers? Y'all remember Eddie Murphy talked about that? People weren't excited about it then, half. No, he was willingly willing to give half of everything. Whatever it is, baby, I got it. Tell me. She couldn't tell him. Haman came for that banquet, had a good time. Haman was feeling himself after that banquet. He's bragging to his wife and to his friends like, not only did the king Promote me to be his chief official over the land. Check this out. His wife prepared a banquet for me and him alone. Oh, I'm moving up, man. Listen, I'm, a, I'm stepping up. You better step up or you're going to get lost. I mean, he was feeling himself for real. He was like, listen, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. I'm coming up. But little did he know it was all a setup. He's like, the queen and the king love me so much. Check this out. Check this out, wifey. I'm going back to dinner tomorrow. Boom. But here's what happened. In that process, after the queen told what she needed for him to hear, they had another dinner the next day. And she said, uh, he kept at And again, the king asked her, he says, listen, what do you need? I, I know something's bothering you. But the night before, let me share this with you. The night before they had that second banquet, the king couldn't sleep. He was tossing. He was turning. He couldn't sleep. And he's like, what is going on? And so he had his, his assistants and people come and bring uh, the history of his time, his reign as a king. He's like, I feel like I'm missing something. Something has got me troubled tonight. That was God. God will stir you up in the middle of the night in case you didn't know that. And he says, something is missing. So they began to read the history of his reign as king so far. And he had a reminder in there. There was a guy named Mordecai that told him about a plot to kill him. And he had never, ever blessed him. He only gave him favor. He says, you know what? Oh, my goodness. 
this guy Mordecai looked out for me and I never did anything for him. We've got to do something for him. And at the same time, who comes walking in? Hello, it's Haman getting ready to tell him, like, I cannot stand this dude. Mordecai, he's out there by the gate. The sight of this guy just, it makes my skin crawl. So he was going to ask the king permission to kill Mordecai today. But little did he know, the king had it in his mind to do something great for him. Watch what happens. This is, this is where it gets really good. So Mordecai, I mean, uh, Haman is there, and he says, uh, the king says, what can I do for you, Haman? And Haman's like, listen, I'm going to play this a different way. He says, king, if you were to bless one of your favorite officials, how would you do so? And the king was like, well, I would give him. No, he said, if you were to bless one of your favorite officials' uh, assistants, how would you do so? And he says, I would, I would give him one of my kingly robes, and, some, and, and then I would give him this ring so people know that I did it, that I blessed him, and I wanted him to represent me. And he says, uh, matter of fact, come on, I want you to do that for Mordecai. Y'all know the scripture that says, I will make your enemies your footstool. Did he not do it? He had to go out there. Put that robe on his arch enemy. Parade him in front of everybody, including his family, saying, look at who the king blessed. Oh, I know we're supposed to kill this dude, but I got to do this. He had to parade his own enemy around. Here's what I want to tell you. What the devil thought was destruction, God used for construction in your life. What the devil had planned for destruction, what the devil had planned to destroy you, God used to build you. That's part of the purpose. But sometimes you've got to do it differently. Sometimes he's going to run you through the mud to get you to the glory. Sometimes he's just going to be messy to get to where he wants you to go. But you've got to stay patient. Hang in there. Let this story be a reminder. Here it is, Esther. Had to give up her virginity, but she didn't do it in vain. God allowed her to be married to the man that she gave her virginity to and also save her family. I know there's a final note there. I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to pray right here. That final note is finding your place requires great initiative. You've got to do it. You've got to step out there. You've got to do it. You've got to have faith and trust in God and not man. And you've got to know that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of courage. I don't know what everybody's story is. I don't know what your dreams are, but God does. God knows your dreams. God knows the plans he has for you. And I am confident they line up. They come together. But you've just got to keep on going. You might want to quit right now. But oh no, baby. It's the wrong time to quit. Because on the other side of whatever you're going through is a breakthrough. On the other side of that wall of despair is your miracle. On the other side of that wall of pain, there is joy, there is happiness, and there is a God that loves you. Thank you for joining us today. 
Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.